Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Good morning, Grace Place NYC, and thanks for tuning in this morning to a very special conversation we're going to have. I'm really honored to have Pastor E.J. Brown with me. Uh, This morning we're going to have a dialogue, a conversation, a very important one. Um, He is the youth and young adults pastor at a wonderful church uh, in Fort Worth called Seven City Church. And so we met, uh, I think back in January, I was down here for a urban church task force meeting, and then we got to play top golf together, and and, uh, it was fun. We had a good time together, and so uh, when everything started happening, uh, you know, with... um, you know, the unfortunate events with Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and now George Floyd. Uh, I was like, we've got to say something as a church. We've got to have a conversation. And so uh, I thought of you. And so that's when I called you and invited you to join me on a conversation. So Pastor EJ, why don't you just share a little bit about who you are, uh, where you grew up, um, you know, family now, your family dynamics now and all that. So our, our people can get to know you a little bit better before we dive in. Yeah, definitely. Um, so first off, thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, hello, everyone at home. Um, so yeah, I, my dad was in the military. So I, I grew up, uh, I was born in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, we lived there for about two or three years in uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And then we moved to Alaska. Uh, so I lived in Fairbanks, Alaska for about, I would say, six, seven years. Um, and then we moved to St. Louis, uh, and I went to middle school and high school in St. Louis. Gotcha. Um, and that's where my wife is from. And after after high school, uh, I first, my, my family moved to Atlanta. So I was in Atlanta um, from about 2009-ish uh, until 2016. And so that's where uh, I graduated college from at Kennesaw State University. And um, then we moved to Memphis, and I was uh, doing ministry there, and we came to Fort Worth about six months ago. Wow. So You've been all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I love it. You know, growing up, I was like, man, why are we traveling so much? Uh, and I got saved in 2010. So I didn't grow up in church. I didn't, you know, my, neither one of my parents are Christians. Um, I come from an African-American and Mexican uh, household. Okay. Uh, my mom's Mexican. Uh, however, I didn't grow up in that culture. I grew up more with my dad's side. Um, so, yeah, my mom was military, so she moved around a lot, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's just a quick uh, synopsis of my story. Yeah. Man. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing. So, St. Louis, Missouri side or Illinois side? Oh, definitely Missouri. Missouri, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I grew up in... Born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, yeah, 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 so opposite yeah, yeah, yeah. sides of the state. Oh, it but makes same a difference. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It my really grandparents does. actually live in um, uh, Junction City. That's okay. where my mom graduated high school on the Kansas side. Oh, yeah. awesome! So I have friends and family on the Kansas City, uh, Missouri side as yeah. well. Too, so. very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I have a, a passage of scripture that I want to read, and and our conversation. Um, it, you know, we want it to be Christ-centered. Absolutely. We want it to be gospel-centered, and. Uh, and so I want to read a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, it should be up on the screen for you guys to, to read along. And it says this, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. 
and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, God, he didn't give us the ministry of division, yet as I look at the church, capital C, all I see is division. I mean, we can, we can look at the whole pandemic. You know, you have, uh, you have Americans that, uh, you know, they're wearing their masks right. because they want to, you know, they want to protect themselves and right. they want to, be a good neighbor, and you have another segment of the population that view a mask as a uh, as a symbol of fear. Right. You have you have some Americans who uh, want to reopen America slowly. Right. You have other Americans that are outraged that we even closed the country in the right place. Right. So you see that division. And then, so, if we look at the recent tragedies of Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Brianna uh, Taylor, and George Floyd, again, our country is divided and let's not fool ourselves uh racism is nothing new right. it's uh, it, it's it's been ingrained in this country from before it even became a country from the time it was um discovered if you want to call it that i mean you know starting with how we treated the native americans i mean racism has just been a part of our nation's history and yeah. it continues to be a part of that history and so uh, I think we need to come at this discussion from the perspective of this scripture. This passage tells us that Christ died for all. You know, Christ died for white people, black people, Asian people, yeah. Indian people, Native American. Right. He died for everybody. everybody. Uh, Jesus is not a, a uh, he's not a white savior. Right. Okay. <laughs> he's a Middle Eastern. Yeah. He's from Israel. Okay. And he died for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think verse 15 is key. He says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, right. but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know, when we talk about racism in America, I think, it's all about living uh, for ourselves, for self-preservation, right? Racism is about power. Uh, systemic racism exists to hold people in their place. Yep. Uh, it's, I'm better than you, and I have power over you. Yeah. And I think that's what Amy Cooper displayed, the woman who called the police over the, uh, the African-American bird watcher in Central Park, yeah. in our city, and she literally said, if you don't leave me alone, I am going to call the cops and, and tell them a black man is threatening my life. And not only did she threaten to do that, right. she actually she did, did that. Why? Because she thought because of the color of her skin yep. and the color of his skin that she would be believed and he wouldn't. Yep. But, uh, you know, I, I, I love the, the quote that Will Smith uh, stated. I saw this a, a, a couple days ago. He said, racism hasn't gotten worse. It's just getting filmed, That's and it. that was filmed, That's and, uh, you know, she suffered the consequences for her actions because of that. 
So uh, I want to start off this conversation by saying, in Christ he has given the church the authority for the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, and I believe that that includes racial reconciliation. Yes. Yes. So this conversation is to unite, not to divide. Right. It's to bring about unity, not division. But I think uh, we're, you know, we're gonna um, talk about some uncomfortable things, some yeah. unsettling things. Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna go there. Uh, and so, in you know, as the pastor of the Grace Place NYC, uh, my wife and I, we've committed to having tough, uncomfortable awkward conversations uh, because I think it's important and I think it's important to talk about things that people are thinking and not sweep them under the rug, kind of like we were talking about before we started uh, the, the, the conversation right. here. So uh, I just want to, I just want to hear from you. So I have some questions and I cool. just want to, I just want you to be free and uh, free to share whatever's on your heart. And uh, I think it's, this is going to be an opportunity for us to learn and glean from your experience and so, um, yeah, so first question, uh, I've heard a lot of my, uh, um, you, you know what, let me, let me just give some context. Yeah. Me being a brown skinned Indian, <laughs> I've had the opportunity that white people, uh, I have close friends that are white people that have been comfortable to share some of their feelings with me about yeah. race. And I've also had some close, uh, black friends that have been comfortable to share with me about their race. So, uh, that's, that's kind of where these questions yeah. have come from. So that's the context and the perspective. So uh, I've heard a lot of my white friends, usually after they've made fun of my skin color, uh, when talking about race, make the statement, I'm colorblind. Uh, I don't see race. I just see people. Uh, do you think that statement is helpful or hurtful to the conversation? Um, I believe it's absolutely hurtful. Uh, one thing that I would respond with is... Uh, do you see that the ocean is blue? Do you see that the, the clothes that you're wearing, that they match? Um, do you know that your hair is blonde? Do you know that your hair is black uh, or brown? Do you see what color makeup you put on? Uh, what color is your car? Did you know that? And so that's what I always pose with that question. I believe it is completely insensitive to black people to say, I don't see color. Because if you don't see color, you don't see me. Right. You know, we want to say, oh, I can look past that. No, no, no. You know that I am black man. Like you, you can see that I, my, my skin color is is darker than yours. That's unless you are literally blind and can't see, you can tell color. Yeah. You know, um, you can see light. <laughs> yeah. So so that 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 is what I would say uh, to any of my white brothers and sisters listening. Uh, it is very insensitive to black people and people of color to yeah. say that you uh, don't see color. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I, I, I agree with you, and, and, you know, even my own experience, that statement is usually right. after they've made fun of yeah. me for my skin color, and then they say that to sort of ease any yeah. tension or whatever. So I would, I would agree with you. I, I, you know, my culture, my skin color is unique, and I celebrate that, and I want my white brothers and sisters to celebrate their culture Absolutely. as well. So I, I agree. I don't think saying you're colorblind is helpful to yeah. the conversation. I would say it's even uh, hurtful. Yeah. Um, I saw a Facebook post from you a couple days ago that said, you know, I'm tired. And then you listed off several things that really uh, spoke to my heart about why you're tired. I wanted to give you the opportunity to go into that a little bit and kind of share 
uh, your sentiments about why you're tired to kind of maybe enlighten and educate uh, our non-black brothers and sisters uh, about why, uh, uh, you know, I know you're not representing the entire right. African-American race. You're only talking about, you know, your personal feelings. Right. But I think it does represent uh, a, a large segment of yeah. the, the black race when you say, I'm tired. Yeah. So can you just kind of go into that? Yeah, and, and I know it's something that's connected to home. I've had my black brothers and sisters reach out to me like, thank you for posting this. Um, you know, a lot of them have just shares like, yes, I, I, I feel like someone spoke out for what I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, the, first, the first thing I think I, I put, if I could remember, was I'm tired of having to uh, give you the evidence, right? Um, every time something happens, where's the evidence? Prove that there is systemic racism. Prove that this white cop uh, purposely hurt this black uh, black man. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of telling, giving you the evidence. We can go throughout throughout all of history and see that uh, black people have not been treated fairly in this country. And um, I mean, they used to hang flags to celebrate lynching lynching black people. You know, yeah. so there's the evidence yeah. that you want that that it's it's embedded if it's not caught. It's embedded in the culture to think that, hey, we are inferior to black people. And, and so I'm tired of having to, to hear, I don't see color. <laughs> tired of, of, of having to, um, to hear, well, he was resisting arrest, right? Um, tired of being denied for houses that I would, would get if uh, I was white. Um, I put, you know, this wasn't my case, but tired of selling the drugs that you gave me to destroy my community. Yeah. yeah. Right? We don't ever talk about that. We, true. we point at true. We point at black people for selling drugs, but how did they get in there? Yeah. Right? Um, tired of being a black Christian and having to talk to my other black brothers and sisters and then say, how are you still a Christian? This is a white man's religion. So now, now I'm not only trying to reach my white brothers and sisters, I have to, I have this whole struggle and tug of war that I have with my black brothers and sisters, like, am I being a sellout? Yeah. You know? Um, and, and so there's just, there's just so many things. I'm just tired of having to explain myself. Yeah. Why I'm upset about this. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm tired of, of feeling like our history was not important. Yeah. And, and I'm tired of having, being told that I have to worship a country that has never seen me as a full, as an equal person to them. Yeah. So, um, not that I don't, my, my dad was in the military, family in the military, my wife's family is in the military. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that, um, you know, we talk about Kaepernick taking a knee, mm-hmm. right? And, and then people are so outraged. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that America has become a God to people. Yeah. I and, agree with that. And, and, and so, nothing wrong with America, but... What I am saying is that I'm tired of feeling like if I don't get in line with your beliefs, then I am a terrorist or I'm, I'm you know, against, I'm a traitor to, yeah. to my American country when uh, my America has never been your America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I love this country and my parents immigrated from India to America to have a better life. And so I'm so appreciative of that, but I have to be, we have to be very careful uh, to remember that we are a citizen of the kingdom of God first. Yeah. Our identity is in Christ 
first. Yep. And so I, I do see that in, in the American church where we get those things mixed up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where we're, you know, we pledge allegiance to a flag yeah. and, and we need to be careful. Our allegiance is to Christ and Christ yeah. alone above any anything else, yeah. country or, or any possession or anything. And I think that's a really important thing to remember and something that we need to uh, we need to we need to allow that to challenge us. Some of us need to allow that to challenge us. Um, so, you know, what would you? You kind of brought this up. What would you say? Because we have Christians watching, but we uh, we have uh, non Christians watching as well. What would you say to someone that says, "How can I be a Christian when uh, Christianity was used uh, to enforce and justify slavery in this country?" What what would how would you kind of? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, uh, uh, for me, not growing up in church, um, I like first let's let's establish this: racism is sin. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And um, for me, growing up, there was a lot of sinful things I did. But when I got saved, there became a heart change. Jesus yeah. gave me a new heart. Amen. And so it starts with uh, saying, "Lord, yeah, this may be in me, but it's the same as if." I'm out here uh, doing whatever, whatever type of sin, you know. I mean, lying, stealing, whatever, you know. Um, but I no longer do these things because my heart has been redeemed by Jesus. And I, and I no longer desire. Jesus said, if you, if you want to be my follower, first deny yourself. Yes. And then pick up your cross. Yeah. Right? And, and so maybe for you, what you need to deny is the racism that's been taught throughout your generations of family. Um, and, and maybe that's the, the thing that... that God is wanting to take from you so that you can be set free and be everything he's called you to be. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I would encourage, uh, first and foremost, if that is, is something that um, you're feeling as a black person, like, understand that Jesus is not white. Um, understand that this country was founded on religion, not relationship. Uh, because it was, and the Bible says it's the, it's the traditions of men that make the word of God of no effect. Mm-hmm. And so the traditions of men that came over thinking that slaves obey your master was what God was saying, when really it's talking about the Israelites and the Egyptians and, you know, all this stuff like that. Um, When that was abused, that wasn't Jesus. Absolutely. That was the traditions of men making the word of God of no effect. Yes. So um, to my black brothers and sisters, uh, living for Jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. Period. Yeah. Period, period, period. And and I am a Christian before I'm black, but I do not deny my blackness. Yeah. Neither does my wife. Yeah. I, and so um, that would be my encouragement. Like, don't get caught up in the hype. Uh, you know, having to have the conversations with the black Hebrew Israelites that are taking Exodus as the foundation of, yeah. you know, we are the original Hebrews and we were enslaved and, and reading it. Actually, I'm going through Exodus right now in my own personal study. And I'm like, man, I can see why... They feel this way. Yeah. But if you read it in context, you realize it's not. Right. And right. so I just want to encourage you, um, know Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, Amen. not the one of me. Yeah. So, yeah. so good. Thank you for that. That's that's incredible. Uh, that's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> so thank you for that. So um, what can white people practically do uh, to further the conversation and really um, make a difference and... Um, uh, help validate what black people are going through. Because 
you know, I've talked to a lot of white people that, that they just feel like I don't know what mm-hmm. to practically do if I did, um, I, I, you know, I would do it. Yeah. Uh, I know there is, there are some white people that want to completely stay away from the issue. Absolutely. That's not denying it, but Absolutely. there's other people that they said, I just don't know what to what practically do. do. Yeah. If I do, I would try to take steps. So do yeah. you have any practical steps? Yeah. Uh, the, the first thing I would say is educate yourself. Understand why there is a outcry. Um, you know, uh, it just, just understanding where we're coming from. Yeah. You know, that's the first thing. And I feel like, you know, we'll educate ourselves to become a doctor. We'll educate ourselves to become a, a nurse or, or whatever that is. But why is it hard for us to educate ourselves on, on what the true roots of our country are? Yeah. Not the ones that we've been just programmed to know. Yeah. Um, secondly, I would say, uh, obviously engage in these type of conversations. Yeah. Have real conversations, real honest conversations, and, and find people that are willing to speak from the heart of God as well as not deny the fact that like this is happening. Because it's one thing for if I was just angry and I just was like, I'm tired of it and this, that, and the other. This is not going to do anything. Yeah. Because yeah. the Holy Spirit is the only one that can change our hearts. Yes. And, and so, uh, you know, for me, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm really not because at the end of the day, my heart breaks that people still don't know Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. and I know that they don't because they would not view another person like this because of the color of their skin. Yeah. And their skin. And um you know that's that's what I would say is like have those conversations, educate yourself. And also we were just talking about this um speaking up. Just speaking yeah. up like it's so funny to me that uh, I'll get all these likes or comments when I post something that's spiritual. But as soon as I start posting about uh, George Floyd and, and this, that, and the other, those same people, where are you at? They're ghosts. Crickets. Crickets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's not everybody. Right. But but I, I, I've noticed that certain people that are always engaging with my stuff, they're not really engaging with the stuff that I'm saying right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so what that speaks to me is like, huh, is there a little soft prejudice in mm-hmm. in your heart? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, we all have things that God is, is working out in our, you know, in our salvation. But, um, you know, I would say engage. Don't don't just like my post or make a comment on my status. And I've seen that, too, where people just like a post and then uh, make a comment on my status. But then you go to their page and they say nothing about it. Yeah. Like that right there is telling me it's almost like I'm a closet advocate. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a closet a- activist over here. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want my white friends to know that I really support this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I would say is, is speak up and the way that you can shift and shift that issue is by when your white friends say racist comments, mm-hmm. no, that's not going to fly here. Yeah. And if they continue, we're not friends anymore because yeah. I don't stand for that. It's good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's good. So what I hear you saying is empathy can go a long way. Absolutely. Trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes and trying to see things from their perspective. Obviously you won't see things exactly. Right. But you're making that effort to educate yourself for the purpose of empathy, right? Not for the purpose of, of trying to debate with someone, but, but to really understand. And then I hear you saying it, it's important that you post things on Facebook. It's important yeah, it that is. your platform and your sphere of influence sees you speaking out we about watch that. Yeah. We watch that stuff. And, and I've actually um, I, I've been pleasantly surprised, I think, with Ahmad Arbery. 
and George Floyd. Breonna Taylor, I haven't seen as much yeah. for whatever reason, but I, more than I've ever seen, my I, I've seen white uh, pastors speak up about it and, and speak on their disgust and just call it out yeah. like I've never seen. So I see, yeah. I feel like the needle is being Started. pushed. Yeah, I've seen some progress uh, with my white pastor friends uh, really speaking out on Facebook. Have you have you noticed that as well? Yeah, I have. Uh, it's funny. I, I uh, reposted um, a prominent pastor, a white pastor, on my Instagram story. And I had a friend reach out and was like, but will he preach that from the pulpit? And it just made me think, like, and I, I personally don't follow him like that. I just saw a lot of people. But I was just like, man, you know, this very true. Like, it's it's time, like, anyone can post something on social media. Yeah. But, uh, like I was sharing with you earlier, to be a white pastor and talk about this from your, your main uh, pulpit and and you have a more predominantly white congregation. Yeah. Are you Are you going to talk about it there? Yeah. Because if you're not, I don't know if you really came as far as you think. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, preaching it from the pulpit is potentially costing you members. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that that's a, a, a battle and a story in itself. But, but yeah, that's that was a good per perspective that she, she uh, commented on my photo about. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I would say overall, I think there has been progress. But I would love more than anything to see... These uh, these prominent white pastors with predominantly white churches uh, having these conversations Absolutely. on the stage um, and and saying, "Look, y'all, we got to get it together." Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So good. So good. Is there? Um, and there's so much debate about this. This is one of those questions where we're we're gonna go there, and, <laughs> and I'd love to just hear your perspective. Is systemic racism a real thing? Um, and could you maybe share? Uh, maybe some examples of 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 that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we just look at the the prison population, right? Yeah. Um, and and we look at at you know people will be like, well, you know, it's because black people are doing this that. Well, let's think about it. Um, if I sent all of my patrol cars to your area and surveyed that area consistently twenty four hours, I'm pretty sure someone would get caught doing something. Right? Yeah. Because if I took it to the suburbs, there's a lot happening. Yeah. People just ain't getting caught. Trust me. I know. <laughs> like, I went to a predominantly white high school. Okay? Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, there there are, there are, like, I have my black friends. We, I mean, we all, like, we have black people and stuff, but it was more predominantly white. And, I mean, the type of stuff that they would be doing. Yeah. Like, the, the drugs. Yeah. That, that's moving throughout the suburbs. I yeah. mean... My, my, one of my, um, you know, close, uh, friends, you know, was, was a, a, a big dealer of cocaine. And, and so, you know, he used to tell me how he'd go out to the suburbs and just, that's where he sell all this stuff. Yeah. Right. And so this is happening, but what, what happens is, uh, white people tend to have money to get them out of trouble, their kids out of trouble. Yeah. Uh, and, and. Unfortunately, in black communities, the father's not there. That's not every case, yeah. but, a, but a higher percentage. Yeah. Um, but even in that, that goes back to slavery, right? They would separate the father and mother. The, the master would, would uh, uh, molest the, the slave woman, and the, and the man would go out to the field. Mm -hmm. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there, there was like that started in slavery. Yeah. But we don't talk about that. Right. We just want to say, hey, uh, why are there so? Why do you have this black woman that has seven kids? Well, if this has been through generations and generations, no one is being taught to 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 a good family structure because we were separated from the beginning of coming to this country. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, and I wanted to ask that question because a lot of my conservative uh, friends, they say, you know, racism no longer exists. It ended uh, with the, uh, you know, with the Civil War, or the Emancipation Proclamation, mm-hmm. or once segregation mm-hmm. stopped, you know. So, you know, I, I feel like they, they say, you know, it doesn't exist. So I think um, that example was yeah. so good and something concrete, something very practical, Yeah, you know, and true. Yeah. I mean, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I didn't know what your response was going to be, but uh, I saw the same thing in my high school as well. And yeah. I, I was not saved at that time, so I was part of it. Right, right, right. So, right, right, right. Um, uh, and, and I hung around with a lot of white people, yeah. and we were doing all sorts of crazy right, stuff. Right, right, you know? right. So, so yeah, I, I, I see that. So, and, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a real thing. And, and, I mean, we can just go from the neighborhood structures, and I know you see that in New York. Yeah. Um, just how, how the systems and, and the blocks and, you know, uh, what everything, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. And I ask people, uh, when's the last time you've seen a Whole Foods in the hood? Yeah, it's true. But, and then you wonder why our nutrition is not where it's supposed to be. Yeah. You got liquor stores, right? You got uh, corner stores, you got uh, McDonald's, um, and maybe Taco Bell, right? Is any of that nutritious or can, you know, build us up? No. no. But you go out to the suburbs, we got to make sure we got an organic this yeah. and organic that. Yeah. Um, our uh, school systems are better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just, it, you, you see it. If, if you can't see that there's a system in place to keep in a press, then I, I don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, you right. just may have never been in that system. Right, I would say. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we see that in the neighborhood I live in in New York City. Um, We have to, you know, (laughs) full disclosure, we shop at Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. We're we're into health and organics and and what we put into our body, but we have to travel outside of our neighborhood Mm -hmm. in order to shop uh, for those types of foods. And we see the, the, the schools in our neighborhood are not good. Yeah. You know, where we can... We can go on the train about a hundred blocks, and you have some of the only a hundred blocks, yeah. uh, and you have some of the best schools in the city there, yeah. and it's a it's it's a white neighborhood, yeah. Yeah. you know. So, uh, absolutely, that what those statements really hit home with me, and where we actually, you know, mm-hmm. where we live, yeah. and we see it every day. Yeah. Um, so, and now we're seeing, you know, our neighborhood is gentrifying, so you see more right. white people moving into the neighborhood. So. Different Man. restaurants are popping Ooh. up. Different things. People are don't know up. about that. People don't. Yeah. They don't want to talk or know about that. They see all this uh, nice structures coming up. Oh man, we're revitalizing the city. No, no, no. You're kicking black people out to make it better for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and we'll give you some money though, so you can get you a property. So we did a good deed and pat you on your back. But truly, that money that you're giving us is really not worth the uh, millions of dollars you're about to charge for the re- revitalization that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's true. Systems. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> very true. Very, very true. So this kind of um, goes along, I mean, kind of goes along with, with 
the denying, the denial of systemic mm-hmm. racism, what would you say to a white person who says, I'm not racist, uh, I was never involved in slavery, my parents were not involved in slavery, um, why should I be responsible for that? I, I treat everybody equally. What would you say uh, to a white person that's genuine? It's not out of a mean spirit, right, but they're genuinely asking that question. Yeah, why, why should... Well, the thing is, um, I think I, I said it earlier, uh, from, from the beginning of this country's foundation, we have always been enslaved. And so that was your ancestors that did that, right? Um, you know, this is not, and also slavery is not like back when Jesus lived. Yeah. And, and I think we, we tend to sweep that under the rug and, and believe that uh, slavery and uh, uh, lynchings, lynchings, lynchings yeah. were not, I mean, my great, my granddaddy, he lived in the time of that, right? Um, I'm talking to my dad wow. and he's sharing stories with me about, uh, you know, he's, he's born and raised in South Carolina. And he's sharing stories of, of me of where he remembers going to the doctor's office and having colors go over here and white people can wow. go over here. Wow. This is my dad. This isn't, this isn't um, you know, years and years and years and years ago. Yeah. And, and so uh, it's not that you um, did anything, but until you realize that this country has never been great, for black people or people of color, that's where the issue is. Yeah. And, and so um, I don't get into politics, but I will say from just talking to my, my black friends and stuff, when we hear make America great again, we are like, what America are you talking about? Yeah. And when has America ever been great for us? Yeah. It hasn't. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's so deep rooted that simply all you can do is apologize apologize for what your ancestors did yeah right um i I just had a conversation with the lady she's from louisiana um she's probably about 45 50 and she was talking about her how her her ancestors actually owned one of the largest plantations in louisiana wow and and she's at a a white church and and there was a black church they did a, a multicultural service and just so much repentance and forgiveness. Yeah. And the white pastor led it. He said, look, I'm here to repent for all Amazing. of, I'm just apologizing for all of it. But that's what it takes. Yeah. yeah. It takes, like, if, if I can rally my black brothers and sisters, yeah. y- you need to rally your white brothers and sisters. Say, look, it's time for us to repent for this. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a conversation with someone that has been hurt by a church, that's been church hurt, right? That they felt, uh, you know, whatever that case may be. And I've looked them in their eyes, and I've apologized on behalf of all Christians. So good. So I have apologized. I am. I am so sorry that that was your experience with the church. That is not Jesus. Yeah. Did I do that to them? No. But I own that because I am a Christian. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to something that I've I've done a, a lot of reading on, and it's the difference of cultures as well. The the Western European uh, culture that is also seeped into the church it's very individualistic right so if i didn't do it then i'm not yep. responsible for yep. it 
every other, I mean, almost every other culture in the world <laughs> outside of that, it's more of a collectivist yes, culture. Family. So what's good for the community is good for the individual. Yeah. So they look to the community for, and I'm Indian, so that's very much Absolutely. the same in my culture and in my family as well. And so I think white people have a hard time understanding the collectivist culture, where if something is good for the community, then it's good for the individual. And if something is bad mm -hmm. for the community, then as a community, we need to come together and figure this out. And I think that just shows the, the, the complete difference in worldviews. And I think we need to be educated on that. And I think it's going to take a collectivist perspective yeah. to come together and say, I may not have personally owned a slave right. or had anything to do with it, but my brothers and sisters are hurting, and so I am going to repent. Yeah. Because we do this for other things. I, yeah. You know, we, mm -hmm. we repent for abortion, even though we haven't personally mm -hmm. had an abortion, but we repent as a nation right. for the millions and millions and millions of babies that we have killed yeah. in this country. Yeah. But for whatever rate, reason, there's a disconnect when it comes to race. Absolutely. And we don't want to repent yeah. collectively yeah. Uh, for race because we haven't personally done that. Yeah. So, yep. uh, you know, that's I think good. That's, that's good. No, yeah. what you're saying is good. Um, and it, it's been good to see that. Um, you know, I'm getting my master's right now. And in, in my seminary, they actually, the president actually repented for the years of um, when this, this seminary was started, um, just for the years of its connection with the Southern Baptists, you know, with, yeah. with, with, with slavery and stuff. And, you know, that, that's the stuff that is needed. Yes. Um, did he personally do it? No. But yeah. he knew that what has been done um, needed to be, yeah. Yeah, and let's go to Jesus. Did Jesus personally commit any sin? Hey, come on, come that's on. That's preach right hey, there. Hey, hey, uh, let's be like Jesus. <laughs> come on, okay? man. Let's be a little more like Jesus. Yes. Um, if anyone if, if anyone <laughs> has a reason to not like or say I'm not sorry, it's Jesus. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was perfect, right? But he died because of our sin, because yeah. of my sin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, have you, and this is more of where I kind of have my own experience, um, of, of maybe, uh, racism, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. me being Indian and, and brown. Absolutely. Uh, but have you ever experienced friendly racism? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's more so like, uh, uh, working, well, again, being a pastor in the evangelical world, right, um, the, which is a more predominantly field, you, you kind of get the sense of you'll, you'll run into pastor friends or uh, co-workers, um, you know, not here, but just in the past, and it's like, well, you're not like them, or um, just just little comments, or, well, I went through things, too. Um, those are the kind of things I'm like, you really don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. You, you, you don't understand, like, no matter how hard you, um, you went through things as a white person, it'll never be, you don't have to get up. Like me putting this hat on today, I have to be cognizant. Like, I don't want someone to think that I'm breaking into this church. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want someone wow. to think that like, if I walk around the city with my hood on, I have to be aware, like, okay, keep your hands out of your pockets. Um, make sure you're walking, you know, you're not looking around too much. You kind of look straight or, uh, you know, we have to think about those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I say all that to say is that, 
Um, those are the type of uh, soft racist things you'll hear from people. Uh, just like, you know, well, you didn't have to really deal with is, you know, I, I, I struggled and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not different. Yeah. I struggle too as a white person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I always kind of get them with this question. If your white daughter was to bring home a black man and he had dreadlocks, um, would you accept him? Mm. And I've gotten a lot of people with that. Yeah. And if you can say, no, I will not. There's still prejudice in you. Yeah. And, and that's when you kind of find out, oh, well, you're my friend. I, I have black friends. Yeah. But I wouldn't let my daughter date one. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so those are the type of things that I've, I've heard of, experienced, and um, it, it, it's a real thing. We have a lady in our church. She took her son to college, and she introduced her son to the security guard, and she told the security guard... I expect you to take care of my son, and I brought him here to you to humanize him. Wow. That is my son. But she has to do that. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, and so it's true. important. And, you know, speaking of, of friendly racism, I've, I've experienced my fair share as well. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. So I was at a church, Not you know, it was many years ago before I was on staff at our parent church. It was another church, and I was on the worship team, and I was on stage, you know, and a white pastor came up to the stage and I was supposed to share an announcement or something, and he turned around and made us a joke about my skin color mm. and how dark it was with the lighting and all those things. And I think he was expecting to hear laughs from the church, but it was almost like gasps or like when everybody is, knows it's inappropriate, and they're like, whoa. Yeah. And so he knew he had done something wrong, and so I was expecting him to address the church and apologize. But instead, I had a meeting with the lead pastor and then that pastor, and they, they and, you know, they basically shared with me. They were like, "You know, I'm not racist, right? You know, I didn't mean any harm by that." If you have to say, "You know, I'm not racist." That's speaking. <laughs> yeah. So we had a, we had a conversation, but it gets worse from there. We had a conversation, and so I said, "Yeah, I know, I know your heart, and I know you were just joking or whatever." Um, and it and it did hurt me yeah. that you that the whole that you just embarrassed me in front of the entire right. church uh, but what was really really terrible about the situation is we we have african americans we had african americans in our church at the time instead of them going to them and apologizing they said i want you to go to those african american people in our wow. church and i want you to tell them we didn't mean anything uh, by that no. and and i wanted to be i was young i wanted to be obedient to my right. life so Absolutely. i did it you know Absolutely. i did it but I, I was I was humiliated because I went to one uh, gentleman and I said, "Hey, I just want to let you know about this situation," and he was like, "Well, if it's it happened to you, not me. If it's not embarrassing to you, then what am I gonna say?" And it just embarrassed me. Like yeah. I had to go and speak for these other white men that yeah. didn't want to take responsibility yeah. for what they say. Yeah. So that's kind of that's one example of, of kind of what I no. went through with friendly racism. No, that's that's good, man, and and I'm glad that you shared that because I. I know as a as an Indian, um, you know, man, like there's there's probably things that you experience that even black people we don't experience, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and um, it's it's just it's really sad that um, in the church like this happens, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's that that's I think that's what breaks my heart so much yeah. is that we're supposed to be reflecting Jesus, yeah, and um, we really are deflecting into our own traditions. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, 
white privilege, <laughs> fact or fiction? <laughs> you really go ask this question? <laughs> We're going there. We're going there. Um, well, if you know, white privilege is a real thing, guys. Um, it's just a real thing. And, uh, and I'm sure those watching, uh, they, I'm sure they know. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, it's just... I mean, it's just it's just evident wherever you go. Um, dude, I mean, just think to CNN, right? There was just the the CNN uh, staff or whatever that was out there at the riots in, in Minnesota. Um, everyone got arrested except for the white man. Wow, wow! And and they were told them they showed that they were they were filming and they were doing their job, and the only person that didn't get arrested was the white guy. Mm. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things like uh, being in a car with uh, white people and, and seeing how the, a cop responds to them. Um, you know, just just seeing um, a white friend get out of a situation that if it was me, I would have, I, I might have been locked up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different, there's so many different scenarios throughout my life that I could speak for, for a long time about, but I, I've just seen it. it. It's a real thing. Um, you, you're privileged. Like, let me say this, though. Let me let me provide balance. If we live in this country, we have privilege. Yes. Um, I've yeah. been to Kenya twice in the past year, yes. and trust me when I tell you, when we if we live in this country, we have privilege, no matter how bad it is. Yeah. But um, white privilege is a real thing. Um, it's, it's when you're not doing things the way that I think it should look, you need to change the way that you're doing. And that's how it's been for black people in this country. Um, well, you shouldn't write this way. You should do it this way. Well, did you tell the Boston Tea Party that, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, like, do you feel that strongly about the Boston Tea Party? Um, I, I think it's at any time you are feeling as if uh, you're not a, you're not part of the problem um, and people need to do it the way that you think is best, that's privilege. Yeah. Yeah. That's privilege. Yeah. That's so, good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's important because I've had so many uh, of my friends just say, I'm not privileged. I mean, I, I struggle to get to where I'm at and we have equal opportunity. And so I think it's good hearing from that perspective um, and, and yeah, I'm, yeah, as an, uh, uh, Indian here in this country, my parents immigrated from India here. I am privileged just because of what they did. Right. And so then there's another layer here in America that, uh, but we kind of deny it when it gets to that level. Well, you just brought up something I, I meant to share with the, of, of like, just as simple as, uh, getting hired for a job. Um, and this goes back to my post, post of being tired. Uh, we have to consider our names when we go on an application. Mm. I wrote a book last year and I released it and I did not put my picture on the back of my book because I didn't want a white person to go over it Mm. because I was a black man and then feel like, well, I don't know if I can. What's the name of that book? So our, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Unlocking Your Potential in Singleness, How to Maximize Your Single Life. And I just, there you go. I gave singles uh, tools to thrive and survive in singleness. That's awesome. We have some singles watching. Yeah, so you go need ahead to get, get that, that book. Go, go get to Amazon.com. Just type in EJ Brown and you'll see the book. Cool. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, like I, I literally had that thought like, man, I don't want to put my picture on this book because I feel like I could see a white person skimming over it. You know, we look at the pictures, we look yeah. at, you know, and, and be like, man, I don't want that book because uh, a black man wrote it. Yeah. You know, um, but white people don't have to think about that. Right. That's privilege. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I fill out an application and it says, what's your race? I have to think about that. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, if my name's EJ, I don't really see too many white people with the name EJ, right. but you know, um, if, if there's someone that has more of a unique name that would be more black cultured, they have to think about that. I know, I know, I have a friend who her name is, 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 um, the way that it's said, it does not, it does not equal what she goes by on her, on her, like whatever that is, her professional things, because yeah. she would not want to be like, Oh, I'm not hiring them because of that name. I'm not even going to give them an interview. Yeah. And that happens. Yeah. Or when I get on the phone, hey, let me talk a little bit more proper yeah. so that I, I don't come off, you know, as uh, just uneducated or whatever that may yeah. be, right? Yeah. Um, these are the things that, that I don't feel like white people have to consider. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of a, a personal story as well. Um, you know, when we were planting our church in, in New York City, um, we, you know, we were planting in the Upper West Side, and, and somebody asked me, you know, they said, have you thought of planting in Queens, because there's more Indians in Queens, mm. and white people tend not to uh, be able to submit mm. to non-white leadership, so you might have some trouble yeah. planting, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, real. really? Uh, I mean, it's real. Um, I had yeah. that question, too. I noticed that a lot of the big minority, like um, multi-ethnic churches, are led by white men. Yeah. But when it comes to a black man, I mean, you got someone like Michael Todd who's killing it. Obviously, like right. people um, are, are joining that, but it's it's more common to see a yeah, white he's man. He's an anomaly, leading. almost. Right, yeah. right, right. It's it's more common to see a white man leading the charge and having a multi-ethnic church. Yeah. And to me, I think that's privilege as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Man. Well, this has been an amazing discussion, uh, incredible discussion. I have one last question. Uh, what are some books or articles that you've read that our non-black brothers and sisters should read that will educate them on this topic yeah. and will help move the conversation forward? And kind of going back to that question, what can what can people do practically? What are some good books to kind of educate us on, on this topic to help us move forward? Yeah, um, so I brought one with me. Uh, a pastor friend of mine, his name is Terrence Gray. Uh, he's a church planner in Memphis. And um, it's called We Want a Different Story. You can get it on Amazon. And basically this talks about, uh, he's actually uh, worked in, he worked at um, uh, Matt Chandler's church. Uh, he's, he's worked in different capacities as youth pastor and different things of that nature. And he just talks about him growing up in Memphis and, and, and the narrative that's been spoken about black men in this yeah. country and how we can change that narrative. Wow. And so I believe that this book right here would be beneficial for any person to, to read, to just even see uh, the plight of, yeah. of, of black young black men in this country. Yeah. Um, another one is um, The Miseducation of a Negro. And, um, and, and that is uh, Carter G. Woodson. And, and what that talks about is how um, as if, if you can basically control the way that a person thinks, 
you can they you don't have to force them to do anything they're just programmed to do it basically and it talks about us uh our system like we've been taught that white is right basically and, and so now you begin to you're you're now accustomed to believing that is the way but it's like this book is showing us like no we don't have to be bound to the teachings that we've been taught like there's so much more uh gold in yeah. in our culture in our in our um history yeah. uh then then we're shown so i think those two books would be very uh valuable i know you shared with me a book before we talked that you're reading yeah, yeah. and um my wife was also reading a book. I forgot the name of it. Uh, forgive me, but it was just talking about a lady who she um, she's a Christian, and she was just uh, talking about how there are things that are said um, by white people that they don't even realize, kind of the soft racism yeah. type things. And she addresses those things, and um, I can get that name to you. Okay. Uh, one, after we get done, and I'll talk to my wife. But yeah. I mean, those are some basic awesome. things, and, yeah. and also understanding uh, Black Wall Street, you know, understanding, like, the history of, like, black people were doing things in this country, but then white people came and lit it on fire and, and looted it. Wow. <laughs> how, how ironic yeah. is that, right? Yeah. And so now, um, in St. Louis, in Memphis, um, in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, like, these things are real things that happen, but they got destroyed as soon as we started coming up in the game. Yeah. Then white people came and destroyed it. Mm. Wow. Well, so, thank you for that. And yeah, yeah, we'll put the links yeah, in absolutely. the comments as well. And the book that uh, I, I just finished reading actually is called "If You're Ready to Be Really Challenged: <laughs> uh, Unsettling Truths" by Mark Charles and Soon Chan Ra. So we'll put all those links in there yeah. to, to to give you some resources uh, to help you educate yourself so you can further the conversation because that's really what it's all about. That's if it. we just have a conversation and nothing changes. No light bulbs came on, then we were just, you know, wasting time wasting for time. however long this discussion is. But I, I, I think these are some practical things that you can get your hands on these books and, uh, you know, really help you further this this conversation forward yeah. into some practical practical steps. So, uh, Pastor EJ, thank you so much. You I know you're so, yeah, absolutely, you're so busy, uh, but taking that time to, to have this discussion with us. I think our our church is going to really, really benefit from this. And uh, so I just want to ask if you would just uh, pray for us uh, as we close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father, I thank you for who you are. Um, you are so good, Lord. Um, yes, Jesus. I just pray for this man and woman of God, Lord. And I pray that you continue to use them to ignite fire in their culture. Pray for yes, the Grace Place in New York. And I, and I thank you, Lord, that your mission will be fulfilled in their lives, Father. I pray uh, for the people that are that are uh, watching this service, Lord. Yes. And I, and I pray, Lord, that their hearts would be transformed. Yes, Lord. Uh, in yes. such a real and tangible way, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. And that is advocate for us, comfort us, stand up and, and allow us to be bold for these injustices, Lord. Father, I just pre I plead your blood over this family. I, I, I just pray for New York yes. and just everything that's uh, going on with, with the virus and all of that, Lord. Yes. We just declare healing yes, in the name of Jesus. Yes. yes. We thank you, Father, that you are still a miracle worker. Yes, you are. And we thank you, Lord, uh, that you are working everything out for our good yes. and perfecting everything which concerns us, Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Yes. It's all about you. It's always been about you. 
have your way in our lives, Father. Reconciliation yes. is our call. Yes. Help us to fulfill that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.